Hello everyone, Candy Girl is officially back. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. We did a long time ago. The next couple of weeks we'll be releasing content that we recorded before we went on hiatus last year. And we'll start recording new content soon. So super duper excited to be back. Don't forget, we still have a sponsorship with Adam and Eve. If you use code CANDY at checkout, you get 50% off select items, 10 free gifts, which is pretty exciting, and free shipping. So code CANDY at checkout. Valentine's Day is coming up. So, you know. Anyways, without further ado, here is our episode with Felicity Azura. Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, all you candy sluts and bubble butts. Welcome back to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm one of your hosts, Emily. I'm Shelby. And I'm Cactus. And I'm Felicity. Hi, Felicity. This is my very first time talking to Cactus. <laughs> I'm really excited to meet you and get to know everything about you're a cuddler. So we're going to get really deep into that. And I'd love to hear more about Could But could you like explain yourself a little bit? Just explain a little bit about what you do and what you like to do. I try to do a little bit of everything, but professional cuddling is definitely my niche. I don't see a lot of people pursue the cuddling industry and a lot of people who do typically drop out after two months, but I have been professionally cuddling for the past three years. So can you tell us what is professional cuddling? Professional cuddling is, to put it simply, cuddling for pay. Most people charge by the hour. I don't ever see people do half hour, but I've seen people charge for one hour, two hour, three hour, sometimes overnight. And on rarer cases, I've seen cuddlers tour. I've seen them tour the East Coast. I have yet to find a cuddler who's touring the West Coast. So I want to just put it out there. Like, if there are any pro cuddlers who are touring the San Francisco Bay Area and you want a local cuddler, to just talk or meet up with. If you're vaccinated, I am. Please reach out to me because there aren't that many pro cuddlers in California, despite California having the most amount of pro cuddlers in the US. Can I ask why there aren't as many pro cuddlers? Or why you think there aren't as many? Well, we don't have that much representation. I very recently made in an episode on my podcast, because I have a podcast on pro cuddling, where I talk about how a lot of people's, their first exposure to pro cuddling is through blogs and news articles about pro cuddling as a gig job or as a side hustle. And I think these platforms sort of trivialize and glamorize professional cuddling it's a lot of hard work and it's very dangerous but if your only exposure is oh this person who is interviewed on fox news made 40k a year through just cuddling then you're probably not going to consider stuff like clients screening clients 
flaking or using catfish photos or whatever. And I feel like a lot of us experience burnout at some point in our lives, but we don't really talk to each other about the burnout that comes with professional cuddling. And so it feels very lonely. So not only is it a very dangerous profession, but we don't really have the networks to communicate and keep each other safe. What makes it so dangerous? It's dangerous because the websites don't really look out for you. I remember I once reached out to a moderator about, I think, of someone sexually assaulting me, and he said that they don't have evidence to do an investigation. What was weird about that website was that you had to keep all communication in that website's chat rooms. So if they found out that you gave your phone number to a client, then you're at risk of your account getting deleted. And I think with Cuddle Comfort, all of their moderators were just male clients. They didn't have any pro cuddlers as a part of their moderation team, which created this really awful dynamic, which is why I like the agency I'm working with right now. It's called Cuddle Connect. They do have moderators who are female pro cuddlers. So I feel a lot safer if something bad happens. When I started, I was 19 years old. I was doing it out of desperation because I was a broke college student who had recently <laughs> totaled a car and survived a very abusive relationship. So I like these agencies, they don't hire bouncers to walk us to our car or to our Uber before and after an appointment. And 19 is very young to start doing this. And of course, I was not really contacting any friends or roommates saying, hey, I'm going to be at this location from this hour to this hour. This is what you do if I don't call you back. So I, I do get treated differently, not just because of my age, but because of how I look. I rarely come across other professional colors of color. And I think a lot of the agencies were started either by white men or white women. And I, I mean, one way you could look at it, I am entering a very, very white dominated space. So th that's niche already. I don't have to offer anything different to make myself stand out more. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of the cuddle clients will look at a Asian woman who's a young adult and think, oh, she must be easier to take advantage of. And I'm sure everyone, they have their boundaries pushed at some point, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Asian workers get treated worse than everyone else. Yeah, do you have a feeling that you are constantly having to set more boundaries because you're an Asian woman than like a white woman would have to in this space? So I haven't been called any slurs. I mean, I have, I've been called things like Oriental on different sex working platforms. But luckily, I haven't experienced any blatant racism on any cuddle platforms. But I, I do think it's weird how 
Some platforms say our providers have to cuddle everyone. There's my boyfriend and I were having this conversation the other day, whether or not it's okay for clients and providers to have preferences when it comes to clients. Because I've talked to other sex workers, like those who are in their 40s, often prefer to talk to men who are in their 40s and older because they feel like they can bond over more things than clients who are 18 or 19. And I don't think that's discrimination. What I do think is discrimination is the fact that some websites like Cuddle Comfort, they they treat their male and their female providers differently. The female providers, they say, give us 15% of all of your appointments. Whereas the male providers on Cuddle Comfort have to pay a monthly fee. So even if they don't get any appointments in a month, they still have to pay, which I think is ridiculous. And that's why you will not find any male pro cuddlers on Cuddle Comfort. You'll find plenty on many other websites like Cuddle Sanctuary and Cuddlist, but you're not going to find them on Cuddle Comfort because there's that gender disparity. And they say it's all in the name of not discriminating, but I feel like that's discrimination. I can understand that. There's a lot of different sex work websites like um, My Free Cams or uh, Suicide Girls that are like women only, and sometimes that can blur the lines of like who is a woman too but i wanted to ask if you know any men in the industry versus women in the industry are there more men are there more women are there have you noticed any queer people in this space uh, i'm just uh, super interested in the the gender give me give me the data <laughs> i'm sure there are trans and gender non-conforming pro cuddlers but chances are they're in the closet and a lot of websites they will have orientation right you can put heterosexual bisexual homosexual asexual but they're only going to have male and female for the genders which sucks and when it comes to visibility for pro cuddlers I do think it's about even when it comes to cis men and cis women, but I have noticed that, and this is not just in pro cuddling, I feel like this is in the whole umbrella of sex work. I do feel like the people who get interviewed the most are the ones who are super popular. So like the CEOs of these websites. And I feel like that makes sense if the CEO is also a pro cuddler, but if the CEO is just like a manager and it's only the moderators who are using the site for its purpose, then I feel like maybe you should hand it over to the moderators because no one knows who the moderators of these websites are except for the people on these websites. Are moderators normally um, male or female or does it depend on like the website? It depends on the website. I wouldn't be surprised if these websites only have a team of about five people. But I would hope that they would hire more people and do their best to bring in more clientele. I don't I don't know the business side of it. I don't know how these businesses attract more customers besides Facebook ads and Google ads. But I do think that these 
websites, especially the ones where you have to pay for an account, I do think that these websites are obligated to balance the provider and clientele ratios because I, I'm not sure if I told you this, Cactus, but around my birthday last year, I signed up for a platform that is super popular. There's so many users on it. And what what they don't tell you until you sign up and pay $175 for the lifetime access is that the buyer to seller ratio is about one buyer for every 200 sellers. And so it is very difficult for me to make money off of it. And so that's why I like sticking to pro cuddling. And for so many other markets, people will complain like there's too many people in this market. There's too many people in this market. Meanwhile, I'm in the cuddling industry where there's barely anyone. And I'm like, can more people please join this platform? I want I want pro cuddler friends. And I could try to befriend clients, but that that's a that's kind of a line that is very tricky to cross. So one of my questions that I was going to ask you today was like, would you recommend pro cuddling to other people? And it clearly it sounds like you want more people to join the industry. I would love for more people to become professional cuddlers. I just want them to do things more safely than I did when I first started. How would you have them do it more safely? Like, what are some things that you would tell somebody getting into the industry? Oh my gosh, there are so many things that I did not know until I did it myself. Like, I do think it's weird how Cuddle Connect, I'm not sure if other platforms do this, but Cuddle Connect has this like level one and level two professional cuddler dichotomy. I think it's weird. I feel like it's pitting providers against each other. A level one person is just someone who they're registered as a pro cuddler. A level two person is just someone who registered as a pro cuddler and they watched a bunch of videos that are absolutely free on YouTube. From a client's perspective, they're not going to know what's the difference between a level one and a level two. I feel like it was just Cuddle Connect finding another way to make money off of providers, even though they already charge them a monthly subscription. I Is there a disparity? Be you said that you think that it may be causing like a dichotomy between level one and level two providers. Do you think, I mean, I know that there's other websites that have ranking systems like uh, camming websites and stuff like that based off of income and like OnlyFans. Do you think these levels are based off of income or it's just because you're watching these videos? I don't want to make a blanket statement and say that all providers with a level two badge make more money than those who have a level one badge. But I have seen other websites have basic training, uh, intermediate consent training, and then advanced training. And the advanced training is about, a, I don't know, $1,500 and the basic maybe around $500. I, I wish I was exaggerating these numbers, but some websites charge so much money just for basic training. And I, I still haven't finalized my thoughts on whether or not it's okay to charge every professional cuddler about $1,000 before their first appointment. But as someone 
who started professional cuddling out of desperation, it it does kind of push a large demographic people out. What's even covered in this basic training? Is there anything about safety or any of the like dangers that you mentioned earlier even addressed? I have never signed up for those websites that charge you hundreds and thousands of dollars just to get this pro cuddling certificate. Yeah, it sounds like a, pro- a certificate. It sounds like a scam. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> so we've recently in the news seen a lot of violence toward Asian sex workers. And I have seen a lot of non-Asian sex workers kind of trying to band together and and be as supportive as possible. And I want to know what you've been seeing, Felicity. I wish all sex worker orgs were default anti-racist. And something that I've been trying to do for months is be a translator for social justice organizations. I have attempted to learn legal jargon in Spanish. It is very fucking hard to learn legal jargon in Spanish. Like I know so many people who speak Spanish fluently, but I don't but they don't know all of the legal jargon. And so I'm like, okay, I guess the next best thing for me to do is to contact sex worker orgs and migrant orgs and be like, hey, do you need someone to translate your website into Chinese? Do you need someone to create an audio file in Mandarin or Cantonese? So I volunteer for Bay Area Worker Support, and I think it was in March. Boss released a 15-page long PDF. It's titled COVID-19 Harm Reduction Guidelines, And I'm currently translating the entire document into Chinese, but I I do wish that, because I remember, was it, I think it was Red Canary Song, they put out a casting call, for lack of better terms, a casting call on the day of their online vigil for translators and... I know that for many other online events, such as last year's, was what was it, International Horse Day, they had a bunch of those ASL interpreters, and I was like, yay, they care about um, accessibility. Uh, and I think that there are going to be ASL interpreters for the upcoming Margot St. James Day, Margot St. James Memorial. Uh, so that makes me excited. And I also wonder, wait a second, do all of these orgs who make sure that they have an ASL interpreter for every single event, are they also thinking about all of the sex workers or allies whose first language isn't English? Are they getting like the Spanish interpreters? Are they getting the Mandarin interpreters? Are they getting the Hindi interpreters? And it shouldn't have to take over 10 people dying in Atlanta for you to start thinking, you know what, maybe we should hire more than just one interpreter for all of our events online or in person. Are there any things that you've experienced while 
making these, have you found anything that you've translated has been either problematic or... I mean, I'm I'm looking at the Bay Area sex work support that you were uh, talking about earlier online. It looks fantastic. I don't think they... I mean, like you said that a lot of... Um, organizations you wish that they were a little more anti-racist are there things that you don't have to name anything but are there any ones that you've worked with that you've experienced um either racism with yourself or anything that you've translated or that you've just seen them post that you wish that they could fix i wish there were more people of color spaces i there are plenty of white sex workers whom i love but I have found more people of color within the BDSM community than I have within the sex worker activism community. And the sex worker activism community does have its differences from the you know, greater sex worker community because the greater community has so many people of color. But the activists are leaders and it creates this... I don't know what's the correct word to use, but... I don't want 95% of all the leaders within sex work to be white. This ties back into what I said earlier about who gets interviewed for the major news stations, who gets to be the spokesperson for large communities. It's the super popular people with the, you know, big name. And I mean... In the BDSM community, I feel like a lot of kinksters know that you shouldn't hire like the same one person or the same two people for every time you need a trans presenter. The same one or two people of color for a discussion about people of color and kink. I feel like a lot of people in the BDSM community know that. And there's so much overlap between the BDSM community and the sex worker community, but I feel like there's still... Like, I try my best to pay attention to all of the sex worker activists of color, but honestly, off of the top of my head, if you were to ask me about, you know, activists who are of Arab descent, I'm going to be like, well, Arabo Raphael doesn't really do activism. She hasn't done much sex worker activism in years, but I I, I don't know. I don't know of any sex worker activists right now of Arab descent. What uh, this may be a very heavy handed question and something more complex than an easy answer. But what do you think would be something that could help us get more people of color into these sex work activism spaces? Is there a disparity? Do you think about do you think they feel uncomfortable in leader positions or is it an income or is it... I think it's both. A lot of these orgs, they're volunteer only. They don't pay people to volunteer. Well, I, in January, I, <laughs> because I don't know how to not keep myself busy. I joined this one local organization called Rad Mission Neighbors. So I feel like boss tends to cover the East Bay part of the Bay Area. Rad Mission Neighbors is very San, Francis San Francisco focused. And every single month, they have this thing called Free Laundry Day. And the Free Laundry Day is usually the last Wednesday of the month. And so 
it was only a couple of days ago. I was volunteering there for about three hours. And so the prior, I would say four days were really good work days for me. I was accepting multiple cuddle appointments a day. And so I had quite a lot of money in cash on me. And so within three hours, I had spent over $300 at the free laundry day, making sure that all of these houseless, um, a lot of them undocumented sex workers got their laundry done. And Radmission Neighbor, they, the, the second I requested on Venmo $320, they sent it back to me. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that was so fast. Like, I, I'm so glad I didn't have to, you know, wait a week or two to get that money. And not every single org is going to reimburse people for their labor or if they, you know, were to buy food for an event. But I do think that you should pay people even for one-time only things. Like if someone were to, I don't know, do, do some social media graphics for you for like one week, I do think that they should get paid because, well, I've been a social media manager for, oh, this month marks one year. Okay. So that was, I, I've learned a lot within my first year of being a social media manager. I've learned that uploading stuff to your story and feed is very different from responding to DMs and comments, which is very different from actually creating the videos and photos that you share. Like one person can be so good at uploading stuff on a regular consistent schedule, but not good at responding to DMs. And someone could be very good at responding to DMs, but not be good at using Canva for you know, social media graphics. So Felicity, I know a lot has gone on in your life lately, and I'm really here to, uh, I want to hear about all of your wins and, and what's coming up for you and a little bit more about Pro Cuddle Hustle and, and the podcast. So wherever you're wanting to start, just go ahead. I'm not sure when was the last time you guys asked a guest this, but I recently went to my very first BDSM dungeon and I didn't ask them if they had LaCroix. I'm so sorry I let you down. I do feel let down, but it's fine. Um, I guess tell us about the rest of the experience. So you walk in. What do you see? Oh, I was about to start from the very, very beginning. Um, oh, let's do that instead. I was like, you don't know where to start. I can guide you, baby, but let's go. So... I have been using the same phone number for years. So I used to go by the name of Marlene. That was my professional cuddler name. And then I used Felicity for every other part of sex work. But now I'm like, it's so much easier to just go by the same name for everything. So I remember back in 2019, there were a bunch of text messages on my phone. There were from people whom... I had never seen in person for whatever reasons we had at the time. And early March rolls around and I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm like, wow, there's a bunch of people I have not texted in years, but I still have saved their text messages. So I was just, I was just mass sending messages to people like, hey, I'm cuddling people again. It's, it's been over a year. 
since I last cuddled anyone, but I'm cuddling people again. And there were some people whom I hadn't received a text message from them since 2019. And they were like, oh, can we meet up in May or April or June? And I'm like, I'm so proud of myself for saving all of these phone numbers because to tell the truth, I have messaged a bunch of people on Cuddle Connect to see if they would like to cuddle me. And a lot of the people in my area, and they're not, there aren't that many people in my area, a lot of them have never responded. I have been getting messages from people in Texas and Georgia saying, hey, can you fly over here? And I'm like, sorry, I don't do that. But I've been getting way more engagement with people I've literally never communicated in years. Like one person, I, I told him, I have never cuddled anyone at a BDSM dungeon before. In fact, I've never been to a BDSM dungeon. But I live very close to one, and this is what it's called. And he literally texted me saying, Be still, my heart, because he loves that dungeon, and I'm like, yours. And so I had a two-hour-long cuddle session with this guy. He was like, I've seen a lot of dominatrixes in this area. I use this website. So maybe you should check it out. And I do have some friends who are dominatrixes. And so I'll ask them about the website and be like, hey, are you familiar with this website? And so it was, it was very serendipitous. My first time going to a BDSM dungeon. Can I ask what the cuddle session was like? What, what do you do in two hours? Like, or, like with this one specifically or with any type of cuddle session? Okay. Well, the BDSM dungeon that we went to, it had about six bedrooms, and one of the bedrooms has this very big, very comfy bed, so we just embraced each other there, and after that was done, there there are laundry machines in the kitchen, so I took off all of the bedding, and then I just washed the bedding in the kitchen. I... I forgot to put bedding on the mattress before I left, but I never got an email saying, hey, you forgot to do that. So I think it's good. I think it. I think I'm in the clear, but I have texted one person whom I've cuddled only once. He's one of the few people I have met from Cuddle Connect already. And he said, I don't think it's appropriate for us to cuddle in a BDSM dungeon. And I, I respect his boundaries, but I, when it comes to a public location to cuddle someone, I do feel like a BDSM dungeon would be the most sex worker friendly place. Because I tend to cuddle people in hot tub spas, but a lot of the ones in my area are either not open or they're open and they say only people within the same bubble can be together. And I don't want to get blacklisted from that for that. So what's it like cuddling during COVID? Like what kind of, do you wear PPE while you're cuddling or do you just, you said you're vaccinated. So that probably has, you know, probably has helped. Yeah, I would feel more comfortable cuddling people who are vaccinated, but I ask for everyone to wear a mask. I'll wear my mask and I'm not going to force anyone to show me their passport. I mean, my significant other has already lost his passport, but I hear that you can 
like order another copy so that's good i want to get more into the podcast because i know you said you took a couple months of a break and like i said we recorded an episode with felicity already but she was like i want to be episode 69 and we said yeah totally fine but we got cactus in between then so we said let's redo your episode with cactus but so so guests listening now don't know anything about pro cuddle hustle while you started it how long it's been going on how it's going so i'd love to hear some more about that i started pro cuddle hustle in I think November of 2019. I remember recording two different episodes in that November, my Getting to Know Felicity episode and a Patreon-exclusive episode. And that Patreon-exclusive episode was me talking about my very first strip club audition. I tend to just talk about pro-cuddling for the public episodes and then the Patreon-exclusive ones. I will talk about more explicit things because I feel like there's so many podcasts already about sex work or one specific genre of sex work. And I presume that most people who listen to my podcast listen to it for the pro-cuddling opinions, the hot takes, and the advice. I do try to make it for as many people as possible. I feel like as long as you're at least 18, then you could listen to the podcast. I don't want it to be just client facing or just pro cuddler facing or just sex worker facing. I My goal with Pro Cuddle Hustle podcast is to bridge a bunch of gaps. I think podcasts like yours, in which you interview sex workers are great. I, I'm really fond of this one podcast called Panty Selling or Panty Seller Podcast. I don't think you guys have interviewed Dalma, but I think Dalma Rosa would be a wonderful guest to have on your show. Her podcast is so good. She's the reason why I signed up for Scented Pansy in the first place. And I'm in her Discord group where the, the sellers just talk about advice payment methods, ways we fucked up. There are so many channels within that Discord group. It's it's a blast. And one thing that Dalma does with her podcast that I admire, and she does this on she does this on her social media and on her official website. She not only interviews other panty sellers, but she interviews a lot of panty buyers. And it's so important to know who you're selling to. Like I haven't done a custom video on minivids in such a long time. I'm just so burnt out from that. But one of the reasons why I got burnt out is because I would get a lot of I would get a lot of requests for these like fetishes that I just did not understand. And when or at least for me, when people ask me for custom videos, they're just like I want you to do this. But I feel like if I if I knew why people liked something then I would be able to deliver way better quality videos. And Dalma bridges that gap between buyers and sellers. And already there's this dissonance because on the really popular platforms like Scented Pansy, there's 200 buyers or there's 200 sellers for every one buyer. So I don't really blame buyers for just viewing the sellers as just this endless sea of messages that say, hi, you want to look at my store. And 
I just, I just love Delma and her podcast so much. And I, I'm just so inspired by her and I'm still, I remember when we did our first interview, I said that I am absolutely terrified of interviewing other pro cuddlers for my podcast. I still am. I do feel like I got to work my way up to interviewing other pro cuddlers and I don't, I'm not terrified of interviewing cuddle clients. I do think they would find it weird because I'm, I'm very big about confidentiality. I don't, when my clients tell me personal stories, I don't share that on my podcast. And so I, I do wonder what, what could I possibly talk about with a client on the podcast, but I'm sure I'll figure out stuff to say. I have interviewed one other sex worker so far. Her name is Kira Love. She's awesome. That was her very first time being interviewed as a sex worker, so I felt honored. I was taking her podcast interview virginity. <laughs> I'm sure you guys, you, you guys know all about that. <laughs> you guys took my podcast interview virginity. Oh, we did. <laughs> oh, what an honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Horarchy is awful and I feel like every day there's a new fight amongst workers. I believe it was Ali Awesome who said sex worker solidarity includes people you don't like and that really I mean she says a lot of things that stick with me. But that one has really stuck out to me because it's not just calling out one person for saying a problematic tweet. It's just like, wow, I could think about that forever. And I so badly wish that there was more of a pro cuddler community. But one thing that scares me is what if... What if a community does cultivate, but it gets toxic and we got to eliminate the hierarchy so that doesn't happen. The hierarchy will destroy us all. Just like the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boo. Well, uh, we're coming up on time. So is there anything that you want to add before we end the episode? I have like Linktree, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and they're all different. How do I put it? Configurations of Pro Cut a Hustle. Like sometimes I'll forget that there is no podcast in the link tree it's just linktree.com slash pro cuddle hustle but basically for every social media if you search up pro cuddle hustle whether there's podcast or not at the end you'll find me and on youtube i believe my username <laughs> actually i know my username is magnolia flowers that's a zero instead of an o in magnolia i also have a red bubble store called magnolia flowers if you want to get physical merch of me, <laughs> the audience cannot see, but I just winked. I compiled a list of all 17 platforms that Pro Cuddle Hustle is on. So it is on, from the top of my head, Stitcher, Deezer, Google Podcast, Spotify, CastBox, Podcast Index. You know what? You'll find, you'll find the Patreon post because 
99% of my Patreon posts are public. So go support Felicity on Patreon. And my link tree is just Pro Cuddle Hustle. And that's your Patreon too, is Pro Cuddle mm-hmm. Hustle? Oh, my Patreon is Felicity Azuro. Beautiful. Love all of the names that you've chosen. <laughs> Thank you. Felicity, it has been a joy interviewing you the second time. Thank you so much for you know taking time out of your day to talk to us. And you can find us at candygirlpodcast.com. We have all of our past episodes on there, 68 through 1, I guess. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, we're at candygirlpodcast. On Twitter, we're at candygirlpod. And uh, you know, our episodes have been a little bit more sporadic as we're all getting really busy with life. But we're trying to keep you guys all updated. And we will hear from you when we hear from you. <laughs> Stay sweet!